This is the Ask a Death Doula podcast, a platform of free education on how to have the best end-of-life experience possible by knowing how to live your best life now. With experienced hospice, oncology, and wellness nurse, Suzanne B. O'Brien. This is Ask a Death Doula. We are coming to you live from San Francisco, California. I am with Don Whalen and Jenna Willer. So we are going to all fit in the screen here. Um, we really wanted to bring a bit of the excitement live to you with what is happening right now in San Francisco, which is the Reimagine Festival. So we're here live. We are also doing a Facebook Live and we're doing the Ask a Death Doula Live. So Thank you for bearing with us where we make sure that we have both of the cameras going and that you can hear us and that we're ready to go. So most of you know me. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. I am the host of Ask a Deaf Doula podcast. And this week we are now in San Francisco, California as part of the Reimagine Festival. We wanted to share with you what the Reimagine Festival is and also share with you some of uh, the questions that were at an event last night because it's really applicable to all of us the work that we do and i really wanted to hear us talk about it because one of the things that's so amazing with just going to an event or talking about this topic is that it plants seeds it it gives you food for thought to leave with you start thinking about those questions later on and saying how do I feel about that and what does that really mean so we're going to go through that with you so first I'd like to introduce my co-host today and they can say a little bit about themselves and then we'll talk about what Reimagine Festival is so to my left is Dawn Whalen. Dawn would you like to say hello and introduce yourself hey everybody I am Dawn Whalen. I am part of the International Food Nurse Foundation, and I am thrilled to actually be out here in sunny California enjoying the <laughs> sunshine. I think it's really important that we have these conversations, and we talk about end of life, and explore the options and resources that are available to us, because it is that fear of the unknown that causes so much of the anxiety around end of life. So having these conversations and engaging in community I think is a fabulous way for us to kind of thank you. Well said, very well said. Um, I agree. And to my right is Jenna Willard. So Jenna, say a little something about you. Yes. Hi, everybody. I am Jenna. I am a treasurer for the International Doula Givers Foundation and help Suzanne and Dawn with World Training Day. I am also Doula Givers Vice President of Client Relations. So if you email in or call in, <laughs> I am the person that you speak to. And so I will have to say that I am loving, loving San Francisco. Of course, the weather, the people, all of the culture. And, you know, I really loved all of the different viewpoints that we are getting uh, from Reimagine. It is so great to be starting these conversations. And I have to say there's a quote from the event we went to last night that has really stuck with me. Uh, when, and the quote was, Whenever you are missing someone the most, meaning someone that has passed away, that is when they are the most present in your life. So you feel like you're actually missing them 
but really it's them being with you that's putting them in your in your mind yeah beautiful so, yes. that was a great quote last year. it was yes. really powerful and that's why i really want to share with you the power behind reimagine and what we experienced last night which was pretty magical as like a lot of the events are Jenna, for the beautiful people on Facebook, you have to kind of come in there and, uh, yes. and show yourself. Just, I, just put your beautiful, hi. look at this beautiful red hair. So she's here. We'll turn the camera in a minute, but we want to make sure that we get everyone that's live on the podcast. So you'll have to come dip in and out of that just yes. to make sure they see you. All right. So let's talk about what Reimagine Festival is. Again, we're at Reimagine San Francisco. Um, this is founded by Brad Wolf, and he is the executive director, and he was there at the event last night. So we want to highlight the people and the event that we took place, uh, took part in at this place last night that was magical and amazing. So Brad Wolf was there. It was called Death FAQ. Pretty cool, right? So Death you know, it's a question and answer and facts. And let's talk about this. And the biggest thing that we're facing is not even talking about death, being a part of life. So if we don't talk about it, how can we get any information? How can we explore options? How can we think about this, ponder things? So that was the first thing. And they had a really great panel. So it was Brad Wolf, who's the executive director and the founder of Reimagine, had Michael Hebb who is the founder of Death Over Dinner. He started um, an international organization with conversations at the dinner table, talking about death. Because as food nourishes you, something we all have in common, we can explore this topic. So he is pretty much an amazing person. You're gonna hear lots of things about him moving forward and he's done some great work thus far. We had Dawn Roth, and she's a palliative care doctor and also a hospice doctor. We had Alua Arthur, who's a friend of ours, going with Grace. She's also just an amazing, amazing woman and on the board of NIA right now, which is the National End of Life Doula Alliance. Um, we had Dr. June Young, and he is in the health, and, and actually he was talking about aging and aging well. He's an interesting person. And Sandy Gibson from Better Place Forest. What does that mean? I wanna know what that means. And so what that means is when we start talking about this inevitable piece to our story, this is a piece of our life story, our aging and end of life, we open up options, we open up empowerment to have choices. And one of the big things happening right behind the death doula movement is the ability to now choose where do we want to be after we die? It's not just the traditional or the cremation anymore. There's many options. And so for Sandy Gibson, it was buying land, forest land, and making sure that that would never be turned over into anything other than its natural forest and having people be able to plant family ashes there. Um, again, a very viable option that people want is that natural burial, that green burial option. It's economically friendly. It is um, for bereavement and grief. There's, there's something about pausing and taking more of a ritual at the end of life and our choices that really, again, helps this whole entire process. But environmentally, economically, um, they're really very good options that people are now knowing they have a choice. So this panel of speakers was incredible. 
So let's talk a little bit about Reimagine on the whole and what is Reimagine? I believe it started last year. Um, so do you want to share? Yeah. Re so Reimagine, um, they had one, Reimagine San Francisco. It was the first one. 2018. Yeah. And the whole concept and idea was to bring everybody collaboratively together to explore end of life through conversation, through art, and how can you come together as a community and just explore and kind of talk about things that are, um, another quote from last night, <laughs> the taboo, right? Everybody calls it the taboo. And so last night, Michael Hebb told us that we're, we're inappropriately using taboo, but it is indeed the correct term to use for end of life because taboo came from the word tapao, which meant sacred and something that you hold with high regard and it's very, um, very spiritual. Is that what you learned so, last night? Yes, I learned that last night. So calling end of life taboo really is appropriate, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you, Michael Hepp, on many levels, but okay. <laughs> so it started in 2018 in yeah. San Francisco, yeah. and yeah. then it went 2019. It was over, uh, or the end of the eight. It was in New York. Yeah, so they had a San Francisco, then, then they have a New, New York, York and, and now, now we're back in San Francisco. Yes. And then it will be, be in New York in, in June. So look forward to that, being part of that. But I think, again, the premise is that no matter who you are, we all have this in common as human beings. And the fact that we have not uttered the word, we have not said that one day that's going to be part of our journey that when, and people know that I am a former hospice nurse and oncology nurse, and we're going to talk about a good death. We're going to talk about what's not a good death. And one of the things that's happening right now is the lack of us having that, even in our knowledge base, our vocabulary, when our end of life shows up, which by the way, a hundred percent guaranteed, don't know when that's going to happen, but a hundred percent, it is creating havoc that is ruining and, and the suffering is so much more because what do you mean I have an end of life and maybe I'm going to try all of these things to run in the opposite direction. Things that we know eventually will not work. Also, it doesn't give us any time to prepare for saying goodbye for those really important processes that we have with coming to peace and acceptance, to making sure that we lived a good life, to finding the meaning to our lives, the value that we had. So it denies us all of that um, opportunity by not talking about it. So again, one of my biggest things in trying to be on a platform to educate is where did we ever get to a place in our world that we forgot that death is a part of our life's experience. Um, because so I feel like reimagine is bringing that back in such a beautiful way. Because again, as Dawn just said, there's so many different events that go on um, with creativity and readings and letter writing and whatever expression you want to have around this space is available in these festivals. So it really it really brings in this very soft, warm, fun creative way to talk about something that we're all attached to. So bravo to reimagine. Yeah. Yeah. I like wanna... how they bring all the different modalities together. Yeah. And explore the same topic. They do. Yeah. I, it, it's just like a really good feeling, really good feeling to be part of that. So let's talk about the event last night. Jenna, what do you think? 
Oh my goodness, I absolutely loved it. So, no, I had never met Alua before, and mm -hmm. I was so excited to get to meet her and Michael and Sandy and all of those people. It was my first time with all of them. So, it was so great just to see like such amazing, down to earth people mm -hmm. putting so much effort into such an important topic and all of the different viewpoints that they brought were so amazing to be able to hear from all of those different amazing minds in one room. Yeah, and I loved it too in that sense that you've got these incredible beings, brilliant, smart, yes. loving, and they're taking their time to talk about this, to reach people so that everyone can have the best opportunity for a positive end of life. They don't have to do this. This is all really nonprofit donation uh, platform of advocacy. So it is such an honor to be amongst them and really hear their perspectives. And, and again, I think everyone comes from a bit of a different angle, their background. Um, and it's also valuable to be able to be <coughs> talking about that. So let's talk about the event last night and what we actually saw and heard. So it's called FAQ. Death FAQ. So let's kind of do a death FAQ here. Um, so one of the one of the main questions in the very beginning um, is, what do you say to somebody who just had somebody die? So what are what is the right thing to say to somebody? That's a tough one. And many people that I meet say that they don't know what to say to somebody. So a lot of times they avoid them. That's not what was done. So we really want to talk about this. And I, I don't want to make it seem like there's any right exactly or wrong answer, but we do want to explore it and give you some guidelines to support you in if you are, and we know we'll all be in that position. What What did you think of that question? I thought it was a great one, by the way. It was a fabulous question. Um, and I can tell you, like, I recently lost my father. And so I had a lot of people saying to me, you know, I'm sorry for your loss and how did it happen? And there's really yeah, no 100% appropriate way to say something to somebody. Because when a person's going through that, they're dealing with their own emotions, their own so I think acknowledging that you understand that they're hurting and that you are there for whatever they need. Um, but sometimes even be specific in that statement because right. if somebody says, if you need anything. Right. I had, I'll give you an example. I had sure. an individual who I was um, close with who lost his wife and I had told Him. Let me know if there's anything that you need, but I want you to be stay that is near where, you know, your wife is going to be buried. Tell me specifically what do you need me to listen. And that was good for him because mm -hmm. he needed somebody right. to address, like, yeah, to say, if you need dinners, if you need right. transportation, if you need any of these specific things. Because it's hard for people to ask for help when they're in those situations. They're so overwhelmed yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. So, for me personally, what I like to say to people is I acknowledge that it's happened and mm -hmm. it's not a good thing. Like, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand how your heart is hurting, but my heart hurts for you mm -hmm. and this totally sucks. 
And <laughs> I, I hope that you can find solace in the memories that you're going to carry in your heart forever. There's nothing that we can really say or do that can take that pain away for somebody. However, I think acknowledging it, telling people that you can do specific things to help them if they need help. Yeah. And letting them know that you're there to hold that space for them. Even yeah. if they just, if someone doesn't even want to talk about something. I, I understand you're going through a lot right now. Yeah. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah. What would you like to do? Yeah. I'm here for you. I think that's great the specifics and let's even take that one step further that I think some people when they lose somebody sometimes they are just completely overwhelmed that you can even make suggestions like can I can I get dinner for you can I help you to straighten up the house can I take care of your dog can I whatever it is be specific because if you ask they might not even be able to hone into what they need because they might need everything and the other thing is is that don't always think that you have to say so much or even anything. One of the things I try and do to gauge where my patients are at or when somebody gets a terminal diagnosis, so this is the same for them, as I would say to somebody who just lost somebody, is how are you doing? Because it allows them to lead me and it gives them an open platform to share as much as they want, but to really say, I am listening to you and I hear you and I want you to um, share with me. So I'm not assuming I know what you feel because I don't, because I, I just don't. It's gonna be different for everyone, but I want you to know that I see you and I'm here for you and I wanna know how you're doing and let's walk this step-by-step step forward together. So I love all of that. Jenna, do you wanna add anything? Yes, so many thoughts. So. I <laughs> Right. So I love uh, that you brought up uh, that we want to make sure not to tell someone that we know how we're feeling because it's so true. We always want to meet someone where they're at and we never, never, never know every detail of every circumstance and every thought and emotion that brought someone to the point that they're at today. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to be so careful with that. But also, you know, just a simple tell me about that person uh, is amazing or random acts of kindness. That person a lot of times doesn't know what they need. Mm -hmm. there, there's so much going on. You know, just showing up at the house with a coffee and talking about uh, a statement from, from last night, talking about Dorito chips if you want. But just <laughs> that, that, I think it was Alua that brought that up last night um, or maybe uh, the doctor, but so. <laughs> they both talked about you. Yes, yes, Doritos were popular. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying we're eating them. I'm just saying they were, pop they were a popular topic. Uh, so anyways, uh, so much about remembering that we, that we don't know where everyone is coming from, no matter how hard we try. Sometimes nailing people down to exactly what they need when they have so many emotions going on is hard, but that random act of kindness can mean the world and can brighten up their whole day or their whole week. And also, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh, so anyways, I will come back to that. But, but you're right, you're right on it though, because that, you know, showing up, when you hand them that coffee, first of all, coffee in the morning, not, not a bad thing whatsoever, but when you, you're, sh you're showing them that you're there and you're thinking of them and the power of your presence is the most powerful medicine that you could possibly have in end of life and in life. So by doing those type of things, 
notes, writing them a note, sending them a text, showing up with a cup, cup of coffee. They might not even know what they need. They probably don't know what they need, but you're saying, I've got you. I'm here with you. So it's so powerful. So I love that you were on that. Um, yeah, because I actually thought about basically all the questions that went, we went over last night and really pondered. And one of the things that Brad Wolf said that really stuck with me is that he said, when you talk about memories, because you just kind of talked about that, you know, tell me about your mom. Um, what, you know, what stories do you come to mind that you remember? You have that in your heart for absolutely ever and can tap into that always. But as Brad was saying, he goes, it's so interesting because, you know, he was very into the mindful, which I, I agree with, is being present. He goes, after we leave here tonight, he said, this is just a memory. We're still alive. But he said, this is just a memory. So we're actually kind of doing that all the time. That you can never go back to that moment that you had with your family, but you can remember it. So whether somebody's alive or dead, that is always accessible in that kind of snapshot video file in our brains. And that's really the only place it lives because now it's in the past. So that's kind of like very important just for food for thought there to think about. So really love all of that. Did you want to share more yeah. on that? No, that was just, it was mm. a really great statement because mm -hmm. whatever you're experiencing with individuals, you know, those memories, they may be something that's like totally silly and off the wall yeah. and it's going to bring you like just joy and happiness. Thank you. Absolutely. And, well, and, and as a doula, meeting people where they're at, we work with so many different cultures, backgrounds, mm -hmm. religions. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are in those areas. Mm -hmm. That that person, that loved one that you've lost is always alive in their heart, no yes. matter what their religion, yeah. background. So it's an amazing place to, stall, to start cross-culturally. Yeah. Love right. that, love that. All right, guys, so what is a good death? So this comes up a lot and there's a whole bunch of different perspectives on this. So what is a good death and what is a bad death? Like what really would be the definition of both of those? And I had to do a lot of thinking on this for myself because yeah, I do think that you can see a good death and you can kind of describe what that is. Um, but the first and foremost thing that we need to know is that that's subjective to somebody individually, what's a good death. However, when I thought about this last night uh, from my experience of seeing the people that had, the, and I won't say good, let's not, I'm going to take that kind of, I'm going to switch that word. So instead of saying a good death, I'm going to say the most peaceful deaths or the most serene deaths, because um, they're always going to be difficult on some level, were the ones where people, before they died, were able to move through and look at their life and find meaning to it, to find forgiveness not only for other people, but themselves to wrap up regrets that they might've had in their lives, which we all have, and come to that place of, wow, you know, understanding it because that does happen at the end. And when they wrap that up, I call it doing your work at the end of life, they left in the most peaceful, serene way. And that to me is a great death, not only for the person, but for the loved ones left. And then I thought, what's a bad death? And again, that might be subjective, but I will tell you this, that I personally feel that a bad death is somebody who again, is not given the opportunity ahead of time to choose what they would want, meaning that they go from extended treatment to treatment 
to trying to just hold on to that life. And I've seen this with elders that again, you know, death is the second leading fear in this country. And it makes us do some crazy things here. And so people that are in their nineties going for surgeries and maybe chemo treatments when they have, you know, cancer all over, that's not really going to ever change that. And then dying on top of that without having those peaceful moments. That works. Really me. sick all the time. Um, those have been really struggling end of life and there's lots of them. So talking about end of life empowers us with the choices of doing our advanced directives and choosing where would I want to be and choosing most importantly, what is quality of life to me? And when would it be a point where I would not want aggressive treatment or to try it? Because these are things that we're in control of choosing for ourselves, but we have to be talking about the subject matter to choose. So the bad deaths, in my opinion, were those ones who kind of went down holding on and not having the opportunity to have these great conversations or even to go inward to explore. Um, yeah. What do you want to share about that? So one of the interesting topics that they brought up last night was, uh, and you, you touched on it briefly, how subjective a good death is to everyone. We have sort of idealized in our society that we want death to be a certain way, a certain picture of someone laying peacefully in, in a bed uh, and just silently passing uh, without making a noise, grimace, clenching their fists, any of that. So, but someone else's idea of a good death might be riding through the streets of LA, San Francisco, somewhere warm and sunny on a motorcycle and biting the dust. And that may be the way they want to go unsuspectingly. So, uh, and that's just an extreme example. But so the point is uh, that what we think of as a good death is so, so different to every individual. And we are so lucky as doulas to have the ability to be able to get the word out that people need to be thinking about it, having this discussion and moving forward to figure out what that is to them. And there's no right or wrong choosing that. What it means is that you need to make educated, informed decisions. That's all I ask is that when you do, you make them educated and informed so that you get what you want. Dawn? Yeah, I think that um, it's really, like both of you had said, it's really subjective to what an individual thinks is a good or a bad death. And we have to think of it this way as well. Well, um, when somebody dies, it is the family who's left behind. Mm -hmm that is the individual who is really thinking about, was that a good death or was that a bad death? Mm -hmm. For me, planning um, is gonna make sure that I have things set out the way that I want them to, to be. I wanna be treated the way I wanna be treated. I want to be you know, touched by people. I wanna have family in the room. Those kind of things, if I communicate that to my loved ones, I wanna be at home they can do the best that they can to ensure that that happens for yeah, me. Yeah. However, position drives perspective. So how their position is and they see what occurs at the end of my life is going to, in their eyes, determine if it's a good or a bad death. So that's just another thought that I wanted to throw out there because this is something I was thinking okay. about last night because sure. it is something yeah. that can be like the ideal picture beautiful when my grandfather passed mm -hmm. i would say in my opinion it was the beautiful it was the good death 
he had his entire family was around him. They were stories about his life and laughing and joking. And my grandma slapped her back to that. And she told him it was okay and that she loved him and she would see him on the other side. And within a couple of hours, he passed. But he had all of his loved ones there. So it was beautiful. Yeah. And that was a good death. Yeah. Right? But then you have somebody else who may not be um, in a position where they can experience something like that. And their family's perception of it is a bad time. Maybe the person isn't um, as pain-free as they would like to see them. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much inexcusable. Like I, today right. with good symptom management, you really can be on top of that. But I do agree. And I think that one of the things that allows us to have that closure, because this is, this is the time that we're saying goodbye to that person, is being able to have those last conversations. Yes. Is grasping at uh, futile treatments over and over. We're denying that time period because we're holding on to that little pebble of hope that somehow this is going to reverse itself, which it's not, and that person dies. We weren't able to have those last thank yous, goodbyes, I love yous, I forgive you, please forgive me, whatever it is, and just what you meant to me, which really brings such peace and closure before that person actually has that end of life. Um, so I think that those, uh, again, those um, loving environments and, and conversations are really a big part of a positive end of life for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I said it kind of goes to the, yeah. the family's perception of this. Yeah. Well, everything is perception. Yeah. That's by the way. So let's talk about then ritual at the end of life because this came up last night. So ritual around a, a death, you know, what, what, what can you put in place that would help? And you, you know, touched on this already picking. So the people that, and there haven't been many, the families that I've worked with that have said that the person who died, everything, organized. They said, even though it was so hard to say goodbye to them, it was so easy. It was so much easier because the person had their choices already picked. They had their plans for after they died already picked. They had where they wanted to put their ashes, where they wanted to be buried. They put everything, they gave everything that they wanted to give away, that it was no added stress on that. So let's talk about rituals that can make it. So they talked about that last night. And I think that Again, as I pointed out, ritual for end of life starts way before we ever get there. So living your life fully, but also thinking about the end of life and planning what you would want. And then there is the three phases of end of life where when someone gets a terminal diagnosis, there is a shock presentation and there's that moment of you have to digest that. And if you can move through that, and most people can, that's that place where the work can be done in that stabilization phase. And that's the conversations. That's the legacy work, finding meaning to what your life meant and peace and acceptance of this end of life moment that you then have. And that allowed people to leave beautifully. So let's talk about ritual. You kind of went into it about picking, um, but there are lots of things that you can do. I mean, I want pink, 80s music. I want people to celebrate, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's that's going to be different for everybody too. Yes. Ritual. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes ritual can even be something that is um, culturally done Correct. within a family. Yeah. Um, I've seen all kinds of things. Yeah. It, it just really it depends on what that family wants and what that person and what they want. Yeah. Um, I've done energy 
I've done just like little go around the rooms and what are you, everybody talks because hearing is the last thing to go and they can hear what you're saying and talking about yeah. the good memories you have yeah. and it's really just seeing the hearts go yeah. up on the, the likes on Facebook. Thank you guys. It and is. If you have a question, we will answer it. So we will be addressing that in a bit. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is setting that sacred space. It is. And that's ritual. And it could be like it could be a whatever candle, you want. It yeah. could be stones, it could be whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you want. So that's why it's important, I think, to explore some of these topics because yeah. we don't talk about them. And because we don't talk about them a lot of times, um, it leaves our loved ones not knowing and guessing, did I do the right thing? Is that what they would have wanted? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have that conversation and you say, you know what, this is what I would like, this is what I would want, there's no question about it. Like, yeah. my daughter is 18 years old, mm -hmm. and I already know everything that she would want. Yeah. And it's not that she's morbid in any way, shape, or form mm -hmm. for thinking about it. It's she's actually full of life, and it helps her to, I think, live a fuller life because she's identifying it. And she said, if anything ever happens, you know, I want a natural burial. Um, actually, she loves recompose. She uh -huh. wants to be recomposted because she, it's an environmentally friendly yep. Yep. option. Yep. And she's into that. Um, and I know that she wants certain things done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fabulous because we've had that conversation. So yeah. You guys, if anything ever happened, I would know. And then in return, I've reciprocated that to her. Exactly. Told her. So, so it's, she would be like, did I do the right thing? So it's yeah, fabulous on so many levels, but it's really one of the biggest gifts you can give your family and your loved it ones is. because you're, you're directing them. So they don't have to try and figure it out. And they're going through a cathartic process by honoring your wishes, by putting you in the compost, by wherever you want your, you know, to be buried, your ashes, how you... That's loving and that's a really healthy process. So let's take ritual to going into end of life. And Jenna, we'll hand this to you. Ritual for going into end of life and even expand on that to the vigil period, the time of death, and then ritual after because that whole process needs to be slowed down and honored. What yes. do you want? share on that so i actually want to tie back into the last couple questions yeah uh because it is so important to make sure that we're having the conversation because what our family may be having viewing as a, a good or bad death for us if it's what we wanted then it's an amazing death for us so we have to remember that uh ritual and certain things may be important to us but the most important thing is what the person who's going through the dying process is wanting. What sort of rituals Honoring them. they want. It's, yes. it's their journey. Yes. Um, yeah. And so we, we so have to have to remember that because if I, if I thought that my loved one didn't have a good death because they were someone who moaned a lot or was very animated, uh, that really at the end of the day doesn't mean anything if they were happy with how it was going, if it was going the way they wanted. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I really wanted to tie into the other questions and, and bring that up. But uh, also ritual at the end of life uh, is so important for the pre-bereavement and bereavement process. All of those things that we're doing prior to the passing make it so much, make going through the bereavement period post-passing so much easier and better. 
It does. I mean, I'm just thinking of the healthy way that you have to pause and stop. You have to take this in. You don't want to miss this. And again, presence is your best friend in life. Mm -hmm. um, and so when somebody has pre-planned what they would want told you, and you said, oh, they want to be kept at home for 24 hours and they want people to come visit. It's like, pause and take that in. But it's so important to not rush that process when somebody dies because your grief and bereavement needs to go through a journey. And there's so many things that have been written about when you take that time to separate, to honor, to concretely understand that that person is not living anymore in that body. But here's the thing, I feel that when they're in, still in your environment and you still feel them, I feel that that is part of the healing and beauty that people are like, wait a minute, I know their body's not alive, but I still feel them. And for them to be able to access that shows them that they're still there, their energy's still there. Yeah. yeah. I've had a few individuals who I have told, do not, rush. Yeah. They, they've had their loved one pass at home. Do not rush to call and let somebody know to yeah. come and remove their loved one. Take the time to spend with them. Whatever that. that ritual is mm -hmm. that you want to do when they've passed, do that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just talking to them, whether it's you know sitting with them and rubbing their hand mm -hmm. or brushing their hair or even bathing them or picking out their clothes, whatever it is, mm -hmm. spend that time and if you're gonna call, tell them, I need a little bit of extra time. Don't come right away. And I have found that those families that yeah. have done that, yes. it has been such, for that particular family, a healthier moving through the grief. Like, 100%. It, it helps them process mm -hmm. and it helps them as they're going through everything. Yes. So know that if we're not talking about or planning that one day we're going to have an end-of-life experience, we sure aren't talking about grief and how to do that well. Mm -hmm. So there is not one correct way to grieve. It is individual. There is no right or wrong. You can take and you will always have a connection with grief attached to somebody that's not with us physically here anymore. But that usually does change. It changes the intensity. It changes its form. Um, but no, there's no, there's no getting over it. Don't let anyone push you and allow yourself to be truthfully and honor all that you're feeling. And it could be motions all over the place. And that's okay. That is the correct way. Whatever's right for you, you have permission to do that. And you need to honor that. Um, and this, again, helps so much with that grief and bereavement period, which we're not doing well and people are suffering terribly, carrying weight on them that they are never able to shift because of the way that things ended and that they didn't have proper, the whole thing was really done well. So we wanna make sure that we're moving forward, supporting each and every person to have the, it is so hard to say goodbye to somebody. So why are we making it harder? Let's make it easier by sharing the information we have and knowing that we go through it together. And I think one thing, because you brought up grief, mm -hmm. right? So one thing is everybody, like you said, is going to grieve differently. And it's okay. And recognize that you're going to wax and wane. You're going to have your highs and your mm -hmm. lows. You could be somewhere where you least expect it. Um, a woman told me.
me the other day. She's like, I sit in my car and I'm driving and all of a sudden it's like this big tsunami comes and I have yep. no idea where it came from. And yeah. I'm crying hysterical yeah. and I have to pull over on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And when she composed herself, she was like, okay, I'm good. She just was having a moment where she was thinking about that individual and it caught her off guard. Sure. But when it catches you off guard, remind yourself it's okay. Oh yeah. It's okay that you're feeling it's, like that. It's actually it's, good. It is. It's very healthy. And that goes back to Jenna's comment when she first said that quote that she liked. Yeah. That, you know, when you're missing somebody the most, that's when they happen to be the most present with you. Yeah. And, and one little other thing is the only way through pain, the only way to get over pain is to move through it. So when it's coming about, be there with it, journal, let it out yell into a pillow or in your car, scream and cry, give it sound because that does shift it and let it move and honor it. You went through this. All right. There was a conversation last night and I really want to talk more about this, about grief and about people who have had relationships with somebody, family member, whoever that died and they had mixed emotions to it. So they were feeling bad that they weren't grieving as society says, maybe they should because they had had um, a relationship that wasn't always a positive one or was filled with pain. And I don't think that any relationship is without um, lots of levels to it. So I know that there was a lot of conversation about that last night and there was, it wasn't really a real expansion. I had to really think about this too. Well, I did think about it last night, but um, I didn't want to say anything because, you know, it was, they were doing such great work and, and sharing, but I really wanted to think through about it. And I said, that is so normal. And what is the answer to that? So first of all, that's so normal, but I think that those points where you, and then we'll open this up to you guys, that point where you love the person on one, one level, but then you're mad at them on another level. How can you, you're selling you, how can you be mad because they're dead now and you should just be grieving and feeling terrible and just be all loving. That's not true. You still have things and energy that needs to be resolved. So this is the most incredible moment for you to work on forgiveness within those areas. Not for the other person has died, but for you, because that's still alive and existing and it's totally normal that we have those. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I know. And they're the hardest too. They, they are. So, yeah. so I yeah. can tell you, I, I told you guys mm -hmm. earlier that my father passed and we had a very complicated relationship and many people, because his passing was pretty sudden, many people were questioning, like, how was I going to deal with things and how are things going to, um, to play out? And so I sat back and I kind of marinated on it because when it first happened, I think people were expecting me because he was my father to immediately cry uh -huh. and be really upset. It did happen. Yeah. However, I sat back and I had to take a moment and think about my relationship with him. And I thought about the things that had occurred that were good. Yep. The things that occurred that were a struggle for us. Mm -hmm. And then I always say that forgiveness is like carrying around a 50 pound backpack, right? <laughs> and there's somebody that's walking beside you. And that person that's walking mm -hmm. beside you is the one that's done something that's upset you. They're the ones that are walking freely and they're not carrying all that burden on their back. Right. You are. Yeah. So the moment that you say, I forgive you and you take that backpack off and put 
it down, you're relieving it all the stress and the burden on yourself, emotionally, physically, right? You're forgiving. You're not necessarily saying, I forget what you did, but you're forgiving what it is and it's for you and yourself. And so for me personally, I was, I, I looked at him as an individual and I said, I forgive the acts that you did because when I look back at it, you, he did what he could in his own that look. So I had to look at it from that perspective. Yeah. And from his capacity, what he could have to offer yep. might not have been what I needed. Sure. But it was all that he could give. Mm -hmm. So I had to forgive that. He was doing so, the best he could. Exactly. He was doing the best that he could. So I actually discovered through that process for me, like it was very healing. Yeah. And then when I did his like life review and put everything together and I saw like how he's had an impact on so many people's lives and met people who were just like the stories that they were telling me, I actually found that I found a new relationship with him after his death because I realized how much of an impact he had on other people's lives. Yeah. And he gave them within his capacity what they needed within their capacity. Nice. So I was able to like forgive those yeah. things. And for me, that helped me with my process. Oh, I yeah. was able to cry, let it out. Yep. Yep. I always have loved him. I always will. He's my father. Yes. Yeah. He was an amazing person. And that was our yeah. journey through life together. Beautiful. So, so the thing that we want people to know is that's totally normal and natural and totally okay mm -hmm. to have those mixed emotions, to not necessarily break down and cry if that's not what you're feeling. Um, but it's an opportunity for you then. This is, a, this is an open door opportunity for you to heal, to look at those places, because again, it is for you. When you look at somebody who is, when you say that they were doing the best with where they were at the time and what they had to work with, um, allows us to really have that compassion for them. And, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's, it's not an easy thing. What do you want to share about that? So, if anything, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Dr. Young was speaking to this last night about how when someone passes, you're not just mourning the passing of the actual person, you're mourning uh, the memories that you have with them, good or bad, uh, which can sometimes lead to complicated grief, but you're also mourning uh, the loss of the, the relationship, the memories, you're, you're mourning the change of the relationship that will occur because even though they're they're they passed you're still having some sort of a human relationship with them post passing in your memories nice yeah and i think some people when somebody dies they feel like they'll never get those issues resolved because now that that person's not even here because you know how sometimes we put things really far down that we don't want to deal with right away and someday we'll get there and someday we'll say to them how much they hurt us and want them to say I'm so sorry and then they die and we think oh my gosh I missed it that's not it at all you can always deal with you don't even have to see the person they don't have to be alive you can always resolve those issues um, and the other thing I think we have to remember is that when we are hurt when we have pain that is what is the prominent in the consciousness we forget about some of the nice things that also happened because 
we're focused on those bigger things and rightly so, especially if we're you know, growing up and as children. So to remember that they were doing the best they could at the time and then looking at just forgiving them and looking at the full picture, you can find, oh my gosh, they really were a beautiful person on this level and you can really find that love. So it's a process, it's, it's a process of healing for you and it's not easy, but it takes time. And so I think that that's really important that forgiveness is the key to everything here. So when you find yourself in any kind of place like that, please know that forgiveness will be the thing that will set you free. Okay, so you can expand on that. So let's just start to wrap up this segment with, let's talk about the little angels in the world, children. And there was topic about children and death and how to um, talk with them about that and what that's about. And, you know, our children are our teachers, if we would pay attention. They're so intuitive, they are so pure, um, and they're on it, they got it. So to be completely honest with them, especially age-related, uh, is super important. Letting them grow up with the understanding that death is a natural part of the life cycle, not creating this craziness around it. And um, I had that picture that I had posted about these little girls at this cancer walk putting uh, post-its about somebody that they missed and putting, they were having the best time because they love this person and they access them and it was not weird to them. So what do you all think? Let's start with you. What do you think about children? So you have some amazing children. Oh, thank you. Yes. So you guys have, a lot of you have seen pictures of them on my Facebook yeah. here and there. So I, we have actually run into this several times, even recently with uh, my children when they were starting when they were four and six, they're five and seven now, but we've had uh, like seven deaths within the past year in our community. So, uh, and it is so amazing how they, they deal with it. Dr. Gross last night spoke to uh, children, even, even when there's a passing, they look to adults to see how they should respond to something. And uh, she was speaking about if, if a child on a playground falls and hurts their knee, they don't automatically start crying. They look to the adult to see if this is a big enough hurt that they should be upset. So I, I have to say that that is so true uh, with both uh, my children losing their paternal grandparents, both on the same day at the same time this past year. Uh, they looked at me and uh, my daughter started to cry and then looked at me and, and wanted to know what to do and my response was, well, let's draw a picture of grandma and grandpa and hang it on our wall. And she stopped crying and we did that. And every night she tells them good night. But now whenever she hears that someone has passed, she, she looks at me and she says, mommy, let's draw a picture. Or her friend's mother recently. And she said, she walked up to them and held their hand and she said, let's draw a picture. So it is so... Beautiful. Children are amazing yeah, they are. and they have such an ability to process things, but they have to learn that they have that ability from us. Yeah. So we have to approach it in the most positive light possible with the most factual information and children just take it and flourish. Yeah, they've, they've got it together. We don't. So we need to get our act together because you do a great disservice to them, not allowing them to experience that natural occurrence that death is going to be a part of our life unnatural i have a thought on this okay that children are much smarter yes. than we give them credit for absolutely yes. think about it this way 
they, they see in nature. They see bugs. They see animals. <laughs> they they're, live in the moment. They live in the moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're exposed. Um, even in their little fairy tale, fairy tale cartoons, people are dying. They're yep. seeing yep. it. So we need to acknowledge mm -hmm. instead of deny. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's okay to talk to someone else. Yes. Um, I can tell you one of the most beautiful things that I saw was um, I had spoken earlier about when my grandfather passed. When he passed, um, my cousin's daughter was very young and she's very open and has conversations. And her daughter went up and was not scared mm. and sat there and talked to Aww. grandpa and like put her hand on him and, and spoke with him. And she wasn't fearful of it because they had had the conversations. They had discussed it. She had right. her own development, yes. the appropriate beliefs around it sure. based on all of that. So I think if we expose our children and we're open and we communicate with them, they know more than we give them credit for because they are exactly. exposed to it on a regular basis. And right. let them take and take the initiative and we are guided by them. Yeah, let them ask questions and lead because they've got it together. We should take more cues from our children. They're amazing. Yeah. So what are we going to do to help the adults, to help the population get back to a place of support with this thing that we're all connected to? One of the things that we came up with is World Training Day. And it's actually a week long, and that's something we give every year. So we developed a training at Doula Givers for family caregivers to teach them once again, give them back the skills on how to care for their loved one who is dying. And it works beautifully. So thousands of people have used this in many different countries. And we said, how can we get it in the hands of whoever would like to take it? This is a human right to have this information that can make such a positive difference. So we came up with World Training Day. And the actual day is April 20th, but it's going to be a whole week long from the 20th to the 27th. And you can be a part of this. You can have access to going into your community, giving a training or going to a training. So Dawn, why don't you share a little bit and then we'll... It's so, oh, yeah, yeah, so World Training Day is very beautiful. It is. Because at the end of the day, the reality is, regardless of where we come from, culturally, economically, we all are going to experience end of life throughout our lifetime. And if we can educate individuals about how they can care for their loved ones, we can take away some of those fears and people can have the best experience that they can yep. whatever they consider to be their positive passing yep. and we can help to empower people to be able to stay at home if they so choose to because when we're at home our loved ones are the ones that are caring for us yep. and as a society we've moved away from caring for our loved ones at home and because we've done that we need to bring those skills back. So right. that's what this training is for. This training is to teach individuals the various different stages of the end of life, the things that are common and that we can expect to see and how we can help to help our individuals move through the end of life processes. Yeah. And it's this is very empowering. It's giving people the, the skills mm -hmm. and the tools necessary so that they're comfortable being the caregivers. So it's very simplistic the way that we set this up for you. It's 
you want to participate, you can host an event yourself. You can spread the word and let other people know that we are having these events. Mm -hmm. Regardless of if you're hosting an event or you're attending an event, mm -hmm. please do share, share yeah. and let everybody know. Yeah. And the other way is if you, if you cannot host an event, attend an event. Yeah. support it within yeah. your your area and we have made this extremely easy for you to do so first of all what you have to do is have the desire or want to make a change in your community and have the conversation so we are going to give you all of the tools that are necessary we're going to give you letters that you can find yourself a venue that you can host it at we're going to give you uh the second thing we're going to do is the access to sign up and register to have your event. So you give us the information once you find your event where it's going to be. Third, we're gonna give you all the resources that you need to have this event and stay engaged with us. So it is really turnkey. We give you everything. We give you how to find your location. We tell you how to in your community know. And we give you the training itself. So if you don't like going out in public speaking, that's okay. Um, you can just play this 90 minute video and do an introduction, have some questions and answers. Yep. It is, it's literally it's, a turnkey. It's, yeah. If you wanna be involved, we have a way for you to do it. Yeah, it is so beautiful. And you can see on the World Training .org website right now you can see our montage from last year and how Thailand and the Philippines and all over the United States we were all coming together on this it was like this big party of love um, together bring us together in something that is completely free and supportive of one another which I think that we need more today than ever so it is really easy and don't take our word that this training works Take the word from all the emails that we get. We'll post those emails from family members who have used this and the difference that they made. They were so grateful because it changed everything for making that saying goodbye to their loved one better. So that's why we said this has to be available to everyone. So we'll be posting some of those comments, but go to World Training Day and sign up to do an event and it's going to be so much fun. We have our next live webinar on November 6th at 7 p.m. So please sign up for the newsletter and we'll give you that link. Um, and know that, you know, we're building a global community of love and support and free education that's changing the world. Um, and I think that that speaks volumes. So the training does two things. It empowers families to have the skills once again that work. It also takes that fear of death and minimizes it because we've talked about it. Not only did we talk about it, but we infuse the training with real life bedside stories that are really empowering and beautiful. So it gets us thinking a lot about life and taking that fear away. So to me, it's a win-win situation. Jenna, what do you want to share? Because this is your World Training Day team right here. Yes, guys, if you have any questions, ask on the Facebook group, email in, we will help you out. This is such an easy process and we will help if you want to make it happen we will help you make it happen absolutely it's as easy as one two three so sign up for that newsletter come on and it's as easy as one two three so there's no reason not to do it so we want to encourage you we're here for you so when we're going to close in a minute and i just want to share with you a great book a beginner's guide to to the end by shoshana berger and bj miller a beginner's guide to the end. That's a great book for anyone who would like to know again how to make the end of life kind of from that perspective of
putting things together and they have tools in there. It's really, really helpful. So we want to share that link and we'll post it below. And we want to really say thank you to Reimagine for the festivals they put on and for all the people who come out and do events. Um, you're changing the world. And what a really bright world it is. So I want to thank Don Whalen and Jenna Willard. And this is your team. Thank you so much for being here for the house death doula i hope to see you in the next episode if you have any questions please email us and we will see you next time everybody bye, bye from california bye. thanks for listening to another episode of ask a death doula if you enjoyed today's episode please leave a raving review subscribe share and send your questions see you in the next episode